Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Philip Rom. He's the founder of Elite HR. He helps organizations that are ready to operationalize to implement solutions with measurable results that impact the bottom line prepare for crisis, and they provide elite human resource solutions. He recently completed a diploma U.S. master's equivalent in global business from Oxford. Philip, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Amy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so can you share your journey with us and how you started in HR and why you decided to start your own consulting business? Yeah, so I started in HR over 20 years ago. I was a part-time recruiter at the Bank of New York way back in 1998 when there was no HR tech software. We did everything by pen and paper. In fact, I was getting paper-based resumes. We filed government reports by paper. We submitted reports internally by paper, and then they would get punched, scanned into mainframes. So that's just a kind of an indication of how I started working in, in, in HR before a lot of the software that we have out there now really helps with automation and sort of getting rid of some of these manual processes. My HR journey has been a real mix of companies from large and small. I've worked for mom and pop shops. I've worked for global international mega banks. I've worked internationally. I've worked very locally. So I have a real good mix of understanding of the human resource market, understanding of the human resources processes and what drives people at all different points in their entrepreneurial or company journey. And, you know, I like to say I've been around since the development of HR tech. So I've got a good understanding of how the tech works why it works and what to do if it doesn't work, which can, which can be really cool. And I've been around now for sort of three unwritten contracts between the employee and employer, three different modes of working. And that could be a podcast on its own. So, you know, I don't need to dive into that right now, but I've had a real interesting journey in human resources. So in walking through your journey, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for a lot of things. Sort of two is that I've, all the, all the great people I've met along the way, you know, two, two things specifically, sort of the, the great people. You don't work in HR and not sort of be a happy interactor with people, right? So being a connector, being someone who's a facilitator, a, a source of information, a center of influence, all those good verbs, you know, so, so I've had a, a lot of really good interactions, a lot of really great relationships, and I've met some outstanding people along the way. And that, you know, that, that's been really the, one of the things I'm truly grateful for is, is, is the people and the opportunities they've, they've given me and the opportunities I've given them. It's been great. Um, and I'd say the, one, the second thing is just the wide array of opportunities I've had to work on. HR touches on a lot of parts of the business. And, you know, I've had a chance to, to work on things like talent acquisition, payroll related, tax related, entity structure, legal grievances, employee relations, employee engagement, and mergers and acquisitions work, which is really cool. So, you know, one day I could be working on a mergers and acquisitions project and the next day dealing with a sexual harassment investigation, the next day dealing with how come you didn't pay the taxes properly when you ran payroll. So there's a lot of great things and working as my own boss and my own consultancy has afforded me the opportunity to be a really available parent to my kids. And that's been a big plus and that's a, a big driver for me to, uh, as it came to time to go out on my own as a consultant. So if an organization is losing all of their best people, what are some ways you help them to change? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I'd say the first thing you need to do is gather data. 
And, you know, as an HR person, we, we live now in a, in a world of data and, and every system that your company has produces data points. And you need to, to look at the data and, and interpret it and look at the why they are leaving. And they've left clues, either it's in your Slack messages or on LinkedIn, on your HRIS platform, in your emails, or, or just actually talk to them, have an exit survey have an exit interview and even do stay interviews. So try to catch the people before they're leaving and, and ask them why they want to leave or, or why do they think they're leaving. Oftentimes you would be amazed that people will put an interview on their business calendar, their public business calendar, um, or all of a sudden behavior changes. That's a data point. So look at all those data points and sort of look at why they're, they're leaving and, and try to get to them before they leave so that you can get this data and, and collect it honestly. The second thing I'd say is fix the low-hanging fruit, right? You're, you're going to hear that oftentimes there's some, some things that are very, very easy to fix. You just didn't realize that this is the reason that's causing people to go. Sometimes it's very structural and you may not be able to change it, uh, like a benefit plan may not be able to be changed quickly or, or in a way, but try to fix the low-hanging fruit that might be able to kind of stem some of the resignations maybe on a particular team or in a particular division or in a, an area of your, of your company and start looking at that. And then third is develop a strategy that, that starts to look at, you know, how do we fix some of the more structural issues? Is this a talent acquisition problem? Are we recruiting the wrong individuals and do we need to change that? Is it a benefits question? Is it a compensation issue? Is it a little bit of everything? And, and in a lot of cases, it's probably a little bit of everything. So find out what it is that's driving people out and go beyond a survey. Right. The easy answer is do an employee survey. And oftentimes, you know, you'll find that that data is not very consistent or not very reliable as people want to answer the survey in a way in which it's pleasing to management if they answer it at all. So, you know, you need to go deeper than a survey and you need to drive at the root causes of what's going on in your organization. So how do you develop true employee engagement? That is a great question that has come up quite a bit lately. In fact, I think I've had this conversation now two or three times. And my answer starts with education and a willingness for leadership to, to really endorse employee engagement activities. And I say engagement because you need to have a leadership that believes it's, it's going to fix it, but understands that it's not going to take six weeks, six months, that there's no magic pill, there's no silver bullet. There isn't something that you flip a switch and all of a sudden you're going to have, you know, engaged, highly motivated employees, education, leadership and, and management and ownership needs to understand that employee engagement, real, true, deep employee engagement, where it's meaningful and lasting is more than pizza parties. It's, it's more than donuts. It's more than after hours drinks. It's more than company swag. You know, it's more than I'm going to throw a really lavish party and everybody walks out with you know, a, a company shirt and a, and a bag and an umbrella and all that good stuff in a fancy water bottle. All that has a place. Those things are important. You know, when you're onboarding a new hire, you want them to get some, some swag. You want them to feel part of the company, part of the team and, and make them feel good. But then you have to go to the next sort of steps. So you, you have to sort of have a two to three year strategy that's going to look at all, all parts of your organization. And you're going to have to develop a mentality of failure which is hard because companies don't want to admit that they're failing at something. So they have to pivot, experiment, be ready to change when the data says something isn't working and then change to something that might. So being flexible, being experimental, being comfortable with failure 
is something that they're going to have to do. And I discuss employee engagement as it's not one aspect. Usually when you look at employee engagement, it's not one thing that's driving it. It's usually an entire thing. And, it, and that thing is your culture. And it, it can sum it up in your culture. But your culture is made up of things like your talent acquisition strategy, your time off strategy, your maternity and paternity and adoption strategies. You're globally. How do you manage these things if you are a global organization? How do you manage them globally? You know, do you treat one country better than the other? What's your, your benefit strategies? Do you have a benefit strategy that really is something where employees feel like the benefits are worthwhile? Do you have retirement or long-term planning involved in your engagement strategy? You know, do the employees feel part of the long-term benefit of the, of the company? You know, their actions are going to, to mean something and so on. And if you are not aligned, if your talent acquisition, let's say, doesn't mesh with the needs of the business units, or the end users, let's say your customers, then employee engagement is going to suffer, right? Because your culture, mission, and values are going to be misaligned with, with that. You're going to hire the, the wrong individuals. You're going to attract the wrong individuals. And then that you're going to have turnover because they're going to realize they're in the wrong organization. So all of those have to sort of be aligned. If your onboarding and training is misaligned to your culture, vision, and mission, then your employee engagement scores will also be there. You know, so I recommend using an engagement software to capture the data and sort of measure what is and is not working. Be flexible, be strategic, be long-term in your thinking, and don't think it's just one part of your culture or one part of it. You know, everybody sees the, the meme that goes around that says, people don't leave companies, they leave bad managers. Whereas that's true, that's one part of an engagement part of it. So if you have a manager that's bad, then you know you need to look at what is the training, what is the compensation, what is the performance management part of it that led to that manager maybe underperforming or not being a great manager. So how do you help operationalize organizations? Yeah, that's three words, actually. It's a three-word answer, but I'll expand on the three words. It's people, processes, and systems. So when you're operationalizing something and, and sort of saying, okay, now I'm, I'm ready to do this. This is great. You know, we're, we, we looked at the data. We, we saw that. But now how do I operationalize it? How do I do it? We look at the people, the processes, and the systems. Do you have the people in the right roles? And if not, what is the strategy to remedy that? What are your processes? Are they antiquated, cumbersome, and manual? Do they rely on a key person? Right. You know, does everybody have to go to Joan in the corner office to get their reimbursement form signed to get employee reimbursements? Well, in this day and age, that's going to be a problem, you know, especially if people are remote and Joan needs a physical form. That's going to be a, a process issue. And that could lead people to, to leave your organization. Is your manuals, are, are they old and paper based and sort of, you know, back in the 1990s kind of thinking? You know, if you haven't updated any SOPs or an employee manual, that's something that you probably want to take a look at as well, because I'm sure a lot of that has probably changed. And, you know, what happens if you have a key person, if that key person is out, does everything grind to a halt? So, you know, you want to look at key systems, key processes, key people. How is data used in your organization? How is it used to drive decision-making? Who is in the driver's seat for decisions and data collection and data driving and software selection? You know, are, is your company driven by finance? Like does QuickBooks rule your company or NetSuite, does it rule your company? Or is it driven by HR, which say an ADP 
or Bamboo HR or an Eddy or others, they drive your company and your data decisions. And they have two very different outlooks as far as how they collect and utilize the data. So, you know, what are the adoption rates of software in your company? Do you have software that people just aren't using, but you think they're using? You know, do you know some of the adoption rates? So when you're looking at operationalizing, it's all about people, processes, and systems. You know, do you have the right people, the right processes, and the right systems? And if not, what is your plan to sort of change all of that? And so this next question, we've actually talked a little bit about this offline. And so I wanted to mention it. What are some ways to hire people outside the U.S. and pay them without using a third party like Upwork? You know, in some cases, you might want to use a third party, but you also want to use independent contractors. So you might not want to use Upwork, but I still recommend using a third party. And there are what are called EOR companies or companies that sort of help with global payroll that can work with independent contractors. And the reason why I say you want to use those is because you want to make sure that you're not running afoul in any one country's laws. You know, some countries have laws that basically say, you know, if you have one person who receives any sort of compensation, you've now created an entity and are liable for taxes. So you want to not have that. So then you want to have a global payroll company that is watching out for that and shifting that risk to that global payroll company. EOR is is short for employer of record, and they're responsible for paying the taxes and so on. So you could have that one person in your country, in in a different country, and still be legally compliant without having to have an entity, but that individual will still get their taxes paid, their benefits if they have like a national health or something along those lines. So I definitely recommend a third party, but it's the right third party that could make all of the difference. And if you start to look into the future as to where this is going, you know, if you start looking at some companies now are starting to become what's called a borderless company. So if you're going to be a borderless company and a talent first company, where you want to get the best talent, no matter where it is in the world, then you definitely would want to have some system or some way of managing that so that you don't put yourself in jeopardy and running across all of the different country laws, right? If you have 10 people in 10 different countries, it's very hard to be a country expert in every single one of those countries' laws. And a lot of countries now due to COVID are putting in many different types of employment laws, like right to disconnect, right to certain wage payments if they work out of their homes, certain hours restrictions in various countries. Countries are creating entities for independent contractors and how they treat independent contractors. So, you, you know, payroll and crypto payroll and blockchain payroll are going are starting to become sort of the next wave, right? So, you know, are you ready for stablecoin payroll and that kind of idea? So you want to use a global third party that can sort of help you head your risk so you don't run afoul of any of these laws and put yourself in hot water. like that. So can you share some of your client success stories with us? I worked with the company for a long time, and I, I helped them develop a global talent acquisition strategy. And, you know, one of the goals under this was sort of like, how do we not only hire the nuts and bolts part of the talent acquisition strategy, the recruiting, the hiring, and paying the people, which we went through a, a process where we looked at EOR vendors, and we looked at all of that. Um, But how do we start to find these individuals? What are the recruiting products to start finding these individuals and manage the the information flow? And then how do we get the business units comfortable with the new language 
You know, asynchronous communication is not a word that many people use on a regular basis. So how do we get people comfortable with having people in all various parts of the world that may not attend, say, your weekly staff meeting? Because it's for them, it's one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning. So, you know, getting comfortable with recording it and sending it out and posting it and sort of having that asynchronous conversations on Slack or on email or, or something else. But the beauty of some of this is, you know, you can start to begin to get a 24-hour work cycle mentality. So a company that would be sort of very limited to their time and space, when they start to go borderless or look at a talent-first sort of strategy and hire in, in all various parts of the world, can really unlock their talent and the speed and how they get work done. But, you know, you've got to be sort of comfortable and get people comfortable with thinking in that mentality. So, you know, it's a long-term strategy and it's one that sort of doesn't happen overnight. Let's, let's put it that way. I'm very happy with some of the results that we get when we do that with these types of companies. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out in your journey, what would it be? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a great question. And I would say looking back after 25-ish, 23, 25 years, I would say it's just don't leave opportunities for money. You know, earlier on in my career, I would leave an opportunity for money and it may not have been the right fit or the right opportunity I left for there. I would say now it's look for the total opportunity, make sure that that opportunity fits the values of what I want to do and where I want to be in my life and my career. And sort of as a consultant now, you know, when I look at that, I say to myself, choosing the right engagements is something that I pay more attention to now because of that. So it's sort of like finding engagements that fit the values, align with where I want to be and align with the purpose is something that is very important. I mean, we were talking earlier where talking about turning away work that doesn't fit in where we want to be. Um, and I, you know, it's very hard to do that, you know, because it, you want the revenue, your small businesses and you want the revenue. But I think at the end of the day, that's the right thing to do. So I did it and I turned down, you know, something today. And that's, you know, very hard to do. But sticking to your purpose, your values, your mission is something that I've learned by not chasing. I wish I had told myself 20 years ago not to chase the money. Look at the total opportunity. Yeah, absolutely agree. So Philip, if there are people that are listening that would love to work with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? The best way to get in contact with me is to just send me an email at phil, P-H-I-L, at hr-elite, E-L-I-T-E.com, or click on my website, hr-elite.com, and there's a contact us form that you can fill out, and we'll get in touch with you right away. Perfect, and I'll put your website link down below. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Thank you for having me. Yes. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.